Welcome to Wisdom for Life, where we sift through philosophy to find practical advice that you can use in your everyday life. Hi, I'm Dan Hayes, and today I'm with my co-host, Dr. Greg Sadler, and we are talking about the Reddit AITA forum and what we can make of it. And we're going to do something a little bit different today in that we're going to be looking at, well, let's call them case studies, although they're not exactly case studies in the classic sense taken directly from that Reddit forum. Before that, we're going to have to talk a bit about some preliminary topics as well. Not uh, Maybe not everybody's as familiar with the AITA yeah, forum what, what is and that, what it signifies. Greg? So this is where we have to be very careful to not run afoul of FCC regulations. And there's a word that we're going to be gesturing at and circling around this entire time. And we're going to supplement it by calling people jerks or potzes or schmucks or whatever else we want. But it's am I the a-hole, right? And it's it's a very popular forum on Reddit. Now, I know you use Reddit more than I do. You're, you're a bit better in that neck of the internet woods, right? I, I encountered it through Twitter. And okay. there's they have an account and they post their stuff and it gets a lot of discussion on Twitter. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good stuff. I might use some of this in my classes. And, and you and I have used some of the cases in it on the show in in uh, questions or references before. But you I mean, you've been on Reddit a lot longer and you use it a lot more than than I do. What's what's mm. your view on this this forum? It is a very interesting place you know sometimes it's you know it's like moss eisley you know no greater uh realm of scum and villainy uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but but also it has some incredible stuff and uh and really insightful uh conversations that you see from all sorts of backgrounds the it really kind of depends on the communities that each one of these subreddits or these communities that kind of reside within reddit depend upon and it's the moderation therein and so you can set it up with a very like hey we're only going to talk about science and anything that is off topic is automatically banned and so it's like we are here for science and science yeah. only and anyone's going to be here for like memes or lols you can go find someplace else to go um we're uh, and and it really if you if you do that and and you just find your the goal of what you want to do there um very narrowly you can have really good and focused conversations it really seems that um a lot of subreddits go through a a wave of uh, they're small and they're easy to moderate um and they get they're good and then all of a sudden they get popular and then it takes a lot more work to actually moderate them and to maintain the the good discussions yeah and and then either you find a good moderation team and the right amount of tools to actually solve these issues or it kind of goes off the rails and and you and if you also like fringe ideologies and just you know if you're like flat earthers you can find a group of flat earthers you can find a group of pretty much anything there um except for they've been uh recently at least you know within the last couple of years been pretty harsh on uh tamping down any like white nationalists or things along those lines you know it seems like this particular subreddit though 
it draws in people from all over the place. It's it's not quite so focused, you know. Like there's also you know the, we should talk about at some point the Reddit for Stoicism, which is quite good, you know, uh, or other philosophies of life. Um, this this is an advice column one, and, and I think there's a lot of other advice column Reddits out there as well. Um, but there's something about this one that that really you know captivates people. It, it, and and I've seen a lot of really excellent conversations being had in this this particular subreddit. Um, so we, we should talk about the forum itself. It's, you know, as we we're saying, pretty popular. Uh, right now it has 2.5 million members. And that those are people who've actually like signed up for it. A lot of other right. people are like me who, I don't know, are you, you're not a member of it, are you? Or No, I lurk. Yeah, well, there, there you go. So there, who knows how many lurkers there are. And uh, it's, you know, there, there's a really great line here, uh, a catharsis for the frustrated moral philosopher in all of us and a place to finally find out if you were in the wrong in an argument that's been bothering you. Tell us about any nonviolent conflict you've experienced. Give us both sides of the story and find out if you're right or if you're the jerk. <laughs> You know what right. we're talking about there, and that's that's the description. The that, yeah, that's the description they have of it, and a lot of the uh, posts really do seem to fit that description. I, I guess if if they don't, they just delete them, right, or downvote them, or right. And, and that's I guess, uh, one of the the main features of Reddit is there's an you know, upvote and downvote system, and so if you think something is quality, you upvote it, and you only can do it once, or you, if you don't think it's quality, you downvote it. And there's different philosophies at different portions of Reddit about what the upvote and downvote or some are like, is this quality content or is it, or is it just a weird disagree? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and, it, it's interesting because on YouTube, you've also got an up and a down vote, right? Mm-hmm. But if you downvote in YouTube, that actually makes the video get served to more people just, just as right. much as an upvote does. They're, they're only looking for engagement. They're not looking for, is this something worth checking out? <laughs> right. Um, because you know, the engagement, especially if it's controversial, uh, makes people more engaged with it. And so if yeah. the, the goal is engagement for engagement's sake or engagement in order to sell ads, then you know it, you want to be promoting the things that are controversial or um, or inflammatory. Yeah. So lead us through what the what happens in this forum. How does how does it actually work? So someone presents this story and they try to say, they say, try to present this in, you know, giving both sides of the story in order to give us as much information as possible. Try to play a little bit of devil's advocate for yourself. Don't try to just whitewash your particular opinion because the whole point of here is to actually find out the truth if you are the the putts um, or not. And, and so you are then given... Um, you you give a story and you say, "Am I the the putts?" And uh, then people will then chime in with um, either uh, "YTA" or "You're the the a hole" or uh, uh, "NTA" or "Not the a hole." Um, and um, uh, and "AH," which is like you know, there's no no a holes here, and um, "ESH" and Everyone sucks here, so everyone's the a-hole. I, and I've seen variations, too, where they'll be like, well, there's five people in this situation. 
you definitely are a jerk and this other person over here is a jerk and this other person's kind of a jerk and then the other two are okay. That, w- that would be somewhere in between ESH and uh, YTA. You know, you can sort of yeah. pile these into each other. And I, I think it's actually kind of cool that people do in fact vote on them. When I was looking for some that would be fun for us to talk about tonight, you could actually click on there. You know, some of them were labeled as definitely this way, definitely that way. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. and and then you have all the, the people that are participating that don't give the, their own opinions, but they can then upvote or downvote the opinions of others. And so the true, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the, there seems to be some sort of consensus making um, to what are the, the most moral decisions, or at least through, you know, very popularity base. And which is, it's just interesting. And if you're like a moral philosopher, this is like a smorgasbord. I have actually been thinking, I, I, this, this is kind of a, just an idea I had today as, as I was getting ready for this. Wouldn't it be fun? You teach a little bit of moral theory, you know, each of the main moral theories that we typically teach in an ethics class, and then spend about, you know, a couple weeks just going through the forums, letting the students pick which particular situations, cases, dilemmas, whatever we're going to call them from that forum and require them to participate in Reddit and, you know, say something there. They could do it anonymously, I think. Right. Um, But then also like, you know, do some analyses. I think this is actually a, a really fertile ground for contemporary ethics training. Um, so for you as a, a, a teacher or a professor um, teaching these courses, um, you could go and you can make a subreddit just for your class and you can make it private and only invite those people. And then oh. you could curate some of these um, uh, case studies and throw them up there and have people present their particular moral findings from this and then let the rest of the class then actually vote on people's Well, that opinions. would be really interesting. Yeah. I, We'll have to talk more about this. (laughs) That's that's a side note. But yeah, I think, you know, there's so much that can be done with this. And I know that ethic, we'll call it ethics Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. They're interested in this AITA forum on on Reddit in so far as it shows up on Twitter. And there's a lot of great discussion that goes on about like, and the discussion isn't just like, are you this or aren't you this? There's a lot of um, thinking about like, well, what made you? this you know to what degree are you this or how could you fix this and people sometimes give useful bits of advice to the the original poster Mm -hmm. or yeah like either advice going forward or advice in the moment you could have done this at the time yeah or like you need to get into counseling or (laughs) (laughs) something like that So, so uh, we should talk very briefly. We're throwing this term around without actually using the term itself. Um, just like the you know other interesting vernacular terms, philosophers have been devoting some attention to trying to define just what goes into being this kind of jerk that we call an a-hole. Um, there's a guy, Robert Sutton, who did a, uh, he's literally written not just the book, but several books on the topic. And he has some interesting things to say that are found in a Vox interview that we'll, we'll link to about what makes a person that. 
So I'm going to read a little bit of this, then we'll talk about it in, in just a moment. He says, there's a lot of academic definitions, but here's how I define it. This kind of person is someone who leaves us feeling demeaned, de-energized, disrespected, and or oppressed. In other words, someone who makes you feel like dirt. And then the interviewer says, so this, this is somebody who doesn't care about other people. And then he makes an interesting distinction. He says, I would make this distinction between temporary and certified a-holes because all of us under the wrong conditions can be temporary ones. I'm talking about someone who is consistently this way, who consistently treats other people this way. It's more complicated than simply saying that an a-hole is someone who doesn't care about other people. In fact, some of them really do care. They want to make you feel hurt and upset. They take pleasure in it. So there's, it sounds like he's saying that there's a, a bit of a sadistic side to the people who are not just temporarily or situationally a-holes, but the people who you can say that that person really, you know, when somebody says, what do you think about Joe? You say, he's an a-hole. <laughs> when you're describing it as a character trait, right? There's there, they do care about what other people um, think, feel, decide, but they they care about it in the wrong way. And I think some of the cases that we're going to see are examples of people caring the wrong way, right? It's not just not caring. Right. I'm always, I, I'm a big proponent of really being careful with the um, adjectives that we define people under. Um, to, now, why? Why Why is that? I, I think I probably know some reasons behind that, but. Um, because you you don't know a lot of the times why the people are acting the way we have very little direct interaction with someone's mind unless you're like looking at it uh, like an fmri and then even that is like well what does that actually tell you yeah yeah um, and so you can't like someone cuts you off in traffic and you know were they intentionally going to try to make you feel bad or you know, was there some extenuating circumstances doesn't mean that they're action was good just because they had good intentions or um or why they were doing this but uh to then automatically label them the, the jerk or the super jerk or the putts here um, <laughs> um <clears throat> i almost feel like we're, we're getting like ego super ego and whatnot um but to uh, once you've defined them, you've stuck them in this category that is like the bad category. And once you put them into the bad category, it allows you to at least partially dehumanize them. Yeah, and so it leads to almost like a mental shorthand, right? You don't you don't have to think things through. You already know what box they fit into, so you know how to um, how to treat them. You, you've already framed it. Right, and I guess the you. The one that seems to happen a lot in America is like you're a criminal. Like you, you commit a crime and you're a criminal and you're, you're potentially a criminal for life. And right. now you have yeah, this, yeah. this uh, cloud that hangs over you, which makes it much more difficult for you to you know, re reintegrate into society. And um, you know it, it removes this ability for someone to actually have the ability to change their character. It's like this idea of an immutable character. That is a very interesting point. And you know, there there are different. We talk about different um, philosophical views or perspectives on on punishment and and criminality. And you know, when when we were younger, um, like when we were kids, there was an emphasis on rehabilitation that eventually fell out. In in part because rehabilitation is expensive, and um, it 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 
doesn't always work. And, and it, we've really switched in America to this retribution model that, that fits in with, you know, once a criminal, always a criminal. Why are we, you know, like when I was teaching at Indiana State Prison, one of the common things I'd hear even from my family members is why are we wasting tax dollars on these these people, you know? And you'd, and you'd point out to them that this is probably the best use of tax money we can use. It radically cuts recidivism, meaning people don't go back to prison if they've, if they've had a decent, like, liberal arts education, which is a great, you know, reason to argue for liberal arts education as opposed to, like, just business or things like that. And they just wouldn't want to hear it. They'd be like, those bums don't deserve it. You know, uh, and if you look at other countries where there is still more of an emphasis on, you know, if not just uh, getting away from retribution, you could still have like deterrence, you could still have incapacitation, but there is this, this sense that, well, sooner or later we have to reintegrate these people into society. Where that's part of the culture, um, their attitudes towards criminality are, are a good bit different than ours. Ours in the present, you know, because like I was pointing out, it wasn't always it wasn't always like that. Um, right. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, the immediate gratification of not paying for this versus the, the long term hmm. you know, gratification of having a better society, less criminality in general, um, and also vastly improving the lives of a large portion of your populace. Yeah. You know, when I talk to about like these these people are going to come out and have to be reintegrated into society, you know, you think about the toll that um, imprisonment takes on families of prisoners, you know, and, and the damage that it does to the social fabric. I mean, we could probably do a, a whole show just on talking about punishment and, and criminal justice. Um, I'll, I'll say one other thing, too. This is a bit of a like total digression, but I think it could be interesting to the listeners, and you might have some ideas about this. So one of the prevalent complaints about um, prisoners is that they get to watch TV in prison, you know, mm. and it, it's viewed as like they're on easy street, you know, they have three square meals a day, and and they get to actually have like, you know, um, TVs in their cell. Mm-hmm. And the reality of that is like almost the opposite. They have to pay for those and they'll pay like anywhere from like 200 to $300 for a little crappy TV set that's in their cell. And, you know, you might get good reception, you might not get it. And the guards love for prisoners to have TVs. You know why? Makes them more docile. That's one big part of it. And it makes them docile in that if they're sitting in their cell, they're sitting in their cell. They're not, they're not out doing something else. It's something you can take away from them if they misbehave. Ah. So having a TV is more likely to produce compliance because it's one big ticket item that they can they can take away from you if you misbehave. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this whole this idea that people have they're like, "Oh, they shouldn't have anything. They should be like just stuck in their cells with nothing to do, think about their their crimes all day long as if they're in solitary." Mm-hmm. Um, this is terrible. Wait, which idea. is Yeah, and solitary is what I think it's like considered a, a what is it? A human's right violation by most right. of the world. Yeah, uh, they're they're starting to realize it affects the the brain over time and some of the effects never completely wear off. Um, you know, what, what the, the prison industry wants is prisoners doing things, keeping themselves occupied so that they're more compliant and, you know, 
creating less trouble. But back to back to the uh, AITH. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as I was thinking about this and looking at cases, I was like, and we were talking about using these in ethics. I was like, you know, there's actually a lot of sophisticated moral reasoning going on in these. These could be quite quite helpful for us, mm-hmm. and not just for. I mean, some people do it for entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like some people have dating apps and don't actually use them as dating apps. They just flip back and forth looking at people, right? But that's that's not all that, that's going on there. What what else do we have? Um, uh, I guess we could... It's useful for the questioner to get feedback from a wide range of perspectives. Um you know, without having to like go to your friends and to like save face by doing this anonymously. That's interesting. And, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's a little bit um, pulls you back because you're no longer having to deal with these uh, social consequences that you would have in other contexts. There are people that you see going on there and they're saying like, I'm going to go anonymous for this because my family or friends actually read this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that, you know, there are other places that people can go for advice. Quora is another website that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty active on, but I think that for getting advice about these things, you get, you get a better range of advice on Reddit AITA than you do mm-hmm. asking questions in, in Quora. And it also like, it gives you the ability to, um, reflect on some of your own, particular behaviors so for example if if you see someone and you're like oh man like i do that all the time and they're like everyone's like (laughs) you are the jerk like oh i could maybe work on that yeah you know it's interesting one of the things so when we do moral theory right there's like substantive moral theories that are typically about okay what what makes things right or wrong or good or bad and what what are virtues and vices like and then there's the whole field of moral development and in thinking about how we do in fact develop a lot of it is by looking at what other people do and then how other people view it not not just doing it ourselves and then getting bumped on the nose and you know them saying bad dog to you or something but watching other people screw up and seeing the reactions to it. And then very importantly, so, you know, I'll, I'll bring in one theorist here, Lawrence Kohlberg. Um, some people are probably familiar with his six stages of moral development. That's very contestable whether these things really work out that way. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he stressed was that it's not enough just to come to judgments or come to verdicts about stuff. It's very important to look at the reasoning processes, the the ways in which people figure these things out, what, what they appeal to, you know, at a very low level, it's, well, don't do that because you're going to get punished. And then at a, like a higher level, it could be, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. You know, mm-hmm. at a higher level, it could be, well, this is going to be a violation of somebody's rights or the social contract or, you know, abstract principles. And when we look at these advice columns like this and we see why people are saying, yes, you are a jerk and here's why it's, you know, sometimes it's like, man, that's just a not cool thing to do, dude. Right. Which is not telling you a lot. But sometimes it's like, well, you know, this is doing this and this is your assumption here. And here's why this is this is a bad thing. And, and we I think you're right. We can learn a lot, especially if we see a bit of ourselves in those people or, or we see like, you know, like I, I've got kids and of course kids 
are always in process and quite often they're not as good as you'd like them to be, you know? <laughs> and you could you could be like, oh, yeah, that 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 could be the vector that this kid is going down if we're not careful, you know, our students or whoever, right? Right, and how much you want to or need to intervene? Ooh. What is your duty to these people? Um, and that yeah, could be another you know, <laughs> uh, AITA question. How um, you mean like whether or not you should. Whether or not you're a good person or a bad person by responding in certain ways, right? Yeah, I guess. Yes, you know, if like if it's your child, like what are what are the Ooh. the things that you you need to do in order to, I guess, try to at least teach them because you you it's kind of like the you can lead a horse to water, um, and as much as you teach them, they might not come away with the exact same thoughts you are. Rarely do they ever, <laughs> my experience. <laughs> or maybe I'm just not doing it well, you know. <laughs> um. Well, if you should have been with uh, what, uh, Captain Von Trapp with the little whistle, that would have got them in line. <laughs> you need a you need a good governess though to like oh, build right. build you legitimacy, right? You gotta have you gotta have the the what are the the honey with the medicine, right? All right, right. A spoonful of sugar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that uh, we were gonna talk about. Uh, as well as so people are making judgments is it is it is it bad to be judgmental uh, does that like is there something about participating in this forum that automatically by virtue of you making judgments makes you kind of a jerk in the process what, what do you think i think at least for this form it's definitely not um being a jerk whatsoever because they're specifically asking for the advice um and they, they can take it or leave it. I guess the, the point where I think being judgmental um, comes into uh, a question is when you are have a specific um, moral reasoning that you are trying to impose on someone else without them also buying into this moral reasoning. Yeah, I, I think there there's you could have certain knee-jerk reactions that are like, judgmental in that bad way. And, I, and I've seen that in some of these um, AITA forums. But it's interesting because then pretty quickly somebody else will weigh in and say, you know, you're making these assumptions. This is this is actually off base, you know, compared to what the person originally posted. Like, you know, if, if you do post something about your kids, somebody is going to tell you you're a bad parent, <laughs> you know, guaranteed. <laughs> There's no winning there. Well, there is there is winning. So this is another thing, too, that I was thinking about is what's good about this. The people who post, now, they if they really are a jerk, they're getting called out by asking people to say, hey, am I being a jerk? And that could be good for them. I think in a lot of cases, other people say, no, no, you're not the a-hole. The other person is or nobody is. And don't beat yourself up about this. Or maybe, you know, the person, the other person is uh, gaslighting you or abusing you or things like that. You get out of the situation. I think that that's actually quite helpful. Um, some of the original posters are probably getting some fairly decent advice out of this, right? And, and support too. And even vindication. Cause you know, you could get into it and be like, okay, I, I've been, people are telling me that I'm a jerk. I don't really know. I mean, I think I'm actually in the right. What do you think of uh, Twitter or Reddit or whoever? And in some of the, a lot of the cases, people are like, no, they're right. 
<laughs> you are a jerk. But in some cases, they're like, no, no, you actually have a good point there. You might not have articulated as well. Maybe you shouldn't have shouted it at somebody or, you know, um, thrown all their clothes in the street or something like that. But um, you you actually are in the right. And and I think getting that that vindication, that's probably pretty powerful for for some people. Yeah, especially if they they are in a, a situation where you know a person or maybe a number of people are potentially uh, acting in bad faith or gaslighting or one of these yeah. kind of narcissistic traits um, to actually have some ability and some outside like of your your small bubble to like oh there there is some grounding here um, and it, and to go back to to the question of like is it good or bad is it is judgmental being judgmental a bad thing. And this is kind of something that, that you've brought up a couple of times, that is, uh, it is good to make moral judgments. And I was wondering if you would expand on that. Yeah, I, I, and I think I may have brought it up talking about my students who usually come into ethics classes and, and you know, intro to philosophy classes, um, having learned that it's bad to be judgmental and they, and they draw from that, that it's bad to have judgments at all. We should all be like, you know, totally respectful of everybody else's points of view. And I say, you don't have to buy into any of that. You know, I want to liberate you from that. You can make as many judgments as you want. You just have to have some sort of reasonable basis for it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to be called out on it and other people get to judge your judgments. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, and, and it's it, it's interesting to see the, the relief that you see on a lot of students' faces because I guess they're really getting drilled into them. Don't judge other people. It's not nice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just coming from the left, you know, as we say, the so-called tolerant left. I think it's also very often coming from the right where it, there's this emphasis on, like, being nice and not rocking the boat and, you know, you can make certain judgments, but anything outside of that range, you, you can't do. And then there's probably a vast center who's like, hey, just don't offend anybody, you know. Um, and, it, you know, it, your judgments probably will offend people. It's a question of whether you're offending um, badly or, or, or well, you know. I, I used to sometimes say about my students, this is a bit of a different topic, I'd get, you know, evaluations and I'd be like, I don't want to be, I don't want everyone to say I'm a great teacher. I want the bad students to say that I'm terrible and I want the good students to say that I'm awesome because then I know I'm actually doing a good job, you know. Uh, if everybody thinks I'm doing great, then I'm probably not. And if everybody thinks I'm doing terrible, I probably am. <laughs> you know? so. Well, let's so, yeah, let's yeah. get let's get into some cases. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna read some of these um, more or less verbatim. We might shorten some of these a bit, and we're obviously we're gonna change the language a bit as well. And we're gonna comment on some of the the ones that we found the most interesting. We're gonna alternate back and forth, uh, but but Dan and I have both have ideas about these that we want to explore. And I think you'll, you'll get to see how useful some of these could be for um, promoting moral decision-making and deep thinking about ethical issues. Do you want to do the first one? Absolutely. <clears throat> so this actually voted the most difficult decision to make in 2020. So, am I the jerk for saving one sister's life and not the other? I, a 22-year-old female, have identical twin little sisters, or half-sisters, they were both 16, and both have serious kidney issues. 
They have both sadly reached a point where without a kidney transplant, their quality of life will continue to decline and they might not see the other side of 20. Obviously, myself and my mom are devastated with this news. It wasn't expected that they would be in this position so young. For some background, one of my sisters, Sarah, is very much a tomboy like me, and we are really close and enjoy a lot of the same things. We are like two peas in a pod. And not to say I don't love my other sister, Jade, but we simply aren't that close. She's a little more girly, doesn't have many shared interests as me and Sarah do, and so we just don't hang out as often. I also don't see Jade as much in general. Sarah doesn't like her dad's wife, and so she spends less time with them, while Jade adores her, so she has always spent more time at her dad's place. Both my mom and their dad, and both of the girls, were totally happy with the setup, by the way. Jade also begged to go to a particular boarding school, so I don't see her nearly as much as Sarah, nor have I for a very long time, maybe one weekend a month for the last couple of years, and some more over summer and the holidays. I still love her dearly, but I hope it's understandable now that I'm just much more close with Sarah. We are equally close. We were equally close until Jade started doing her own thing and making choices for herself, and I don't in any way begrudge her that. I wouldn't say B sorry, I wouldn't say uh Sarah and Jade didn't get along, but they have differently been some big spats over the year. We all got tested to see if it would be possible to do live donations, and I'm the only match. Unfortunately, I obviously only have two kidneys. I can only save one of my sisters. There's every chance that they might get a kidney from someone else, but right now, they aren't a priority and aren't high on the transplant list. I basically told my mom, who told my dad, that I want to donate my kidney to Sarah. I thought about it so much. I know this means that I am undeniably saying I love Sarah more than Jade, and I guess I do. Unsurprisingly, all hell broke loose about how could I do this to Jade? How could I be so cruel? Why would I do this? How could I just play with their lives? I've been getting calls and texts from everyone who knows about this. As far as I know, neither Sarah or Jade have been told of it. Um, I'm I'm playing God here, but it's my kidney, yeah? I feel like scum for choosing one sister over the other, but one of them is my best friend, and the other is, well, she's not. I feel like a monster for saying it, and I know on a fundamental level it's wrong. Part of me wanted to flip a coin or something, but I couldn't. My whole family seems to be demanding me for, or, sorry, demonizing me for making this choice. This is Am a- I... This is a tough one. The jerk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, this is a really compelling one. I guess, you know, you can see why it was voted um, most difficult decision to, to make, right? Um, now, it's it's interesting. You, you've got, we were talking before the show, you've got some definite thoughts about this. So why don't you launch into yours first and then I'll, okay. I'll add whatever I've got. Because I think we're, we mostly agree about this, right? Oh, actually, so, let's, let's vote. So boy. what do you think? Um, not. Okay. Is anybody else? Um, yes. <laughs> the parents. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think she, she definitely isn't. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about why, but, but go ahead. What were your reflections on this? All right. In terms so of like moral like the first thing is like, this is, this is from like a utilitarian standpoint, it's kind of a, a little bit of a trolley problem. Um, either you do nothing and both potentially die or you do something and one dies and one doesn't. One of these options is obviously better in that really straightforward calculation. But, yeah. you know, as we see in real life, the, the trolley problems don't present themselves in nice, straightforward ways. And so from like, the utilitarian position, she has like she's definitely making the the morally good choice to do something to save one of her sisters. Um, and um, she from another argument is like. Um, from a bodily autonomy argument, she, no one has control over her own particular body or how she deals with it, and so she, it is totally her decision to make, and it is you know, absolutely up to her. Um, and whenever the parents are, are being upset about this, they're trying to assert their, you know, some sort of right over her body to choose how she uses it. It's interesting, too, with this case that, uh, as you pointed out, there's really there's three possibilities. She doesn't give a kidney to anybody or she gives a kidney to the sister who she has more affinity with or she gives a kidney to the sister she has less affinity with. Somebody you don't you only have one kidney to give. And to say that it's. um you know, she's playing God and she's being a monster or anything like that because she's not giving it to one daughter. It, it seems like she'd be that logic should carry forward and she'd be just as much of a monster if she does give a kidney to that daughter because she's not giving the other kidney uh, right. or not giving the other daughter a kidney. Right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, she doesn't want to give away both kidneys because mm -hmm. then she's the worst off. Um, so there's something kind of weird about this, right? Yeah. The thought I had while reading through this was that there's not actually a, a problem. Like, there, there's definitely a problem, with, like medical problem. These these two um, right. young girls are, are have a, a serious medical condition, and um, they could potentially die here in the, the near future. Um, and that is a bad situation, but it's now much worse apparently from the perspective of the parents because now there is a chance at least for one of them to um live yeah uh, but that choice isn't in their hands and so i i wonder if part of the reason why they're so angry Ooh. about this is that they're they're um removed from their agency in in order to like how they choose to protect one of their children over the other so there's kind of a displacement going on. Yeah, that's that's an interesting insight. I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, that that actually that makes a lot of sense. I do want to say the two two other things. Um, so one is from a utilitarian perspective. You know, it depends on whose utilitarianism we're looking at. If we're if we're looking at it like just in the sense of let's produce the best outcomes overall, then it's indifferent which do which daughter gets preferred, and and so you know we, we just pick one. Um, maybe you could flip a coin, but she's ruled that out. But the utilitarians would also say, like Jeremy Bentham would say, um, benevolence, this you know love for another person, that's a good motive, and acting on that doesn't make this a bad situation 
And so I think Bentham would actually be for um, giving the kidney to the most favored daughter. He'd say that's that's the right way to go. And the, and the parents are actually like diminishing people's pleasure in the situation by deliberately picking a bad interpretation of it, you know. And it, it also reminded me of thinking about Immanuel Kant, you know. Um, Kant says that when we do the right thing, but we do it motivated by like sympathy or affection or something like that. It's not a moral action. The only way that you can really tell, <laughs> this is kind of perverse. The only way you can really tell if something is a moral action is if you don't want to do it. You know, if, if you have, you, you just recognize that it's the right thing to do and you allow that to motivate things and you even go against your inclinations. And so in this case, this would be like, you know, well, I, I'm tempted to give my kidney to this one sister who I, I do love more and I'm deliberately going to give it to the other one. And to me, that strikes me as perverse. Well, you if know? you took that extended, like, wouldn't it be that uh, it would be even better to give it to someone that you don't know, that you have <laughs> no affinity for? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that should go into the donor list, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's definitely, you know, certain moral systems that would prefer that. Yeah, although there's, you know, there's something screwy about those, I think. I, I think, you know, being willing to give to somebody within your family, um, there's there's something, there is something noble about that, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, so we definitely have certain biological imperatives that lead us towards that, aren't there? That's true. Uh, although you could also, you know, <laughs> I think I've mentioned on the show, I have two uncles and uh, they don't do this anymore. But for a long, long time, one of the uncles at every family dinner would say inevitably, well, you you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. And then the other uncle would take offense and he'd be like, what do you mean by that? Because you know, he knew it was directed at, at him. So I don't know, maybe picking your family. Uh, there could be some natural impulses towards that, but you could also be like, I hate these people. You know? so. uh, let's go Let's go on to the next one. What yeah. Do you like? yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read this one. Um Am I the jerk for not giving a bully's mom a promotion is how it's framed. I am a 27-year-old male that works for a mid-sized company in my hometown. After college, I moved back home to help my mom get back on her feet after my dad passed away, and I was hired on with my current company and rose up fairly quickly through the ranks. Last year, my younger sister was having some issues at school with some girls bullying her, and my mom was going through the school trying to get it to stop. One day things got out of hand and one of the girls tossed my sister's clothes into the shower room during gym and turned the showers on. I left work to take my sister some clothes because my mom was at a medical appointment and I saw a co-worker at the school. When my sister got home, she told me that the bully always has something mean to say or do. It turns out the co-worker also had also left to pick up her daughter because she was the one who tossed the clothes in the shower room. She saw me leaving with my sister and approached me the next day at work to apologize. I sent human resource and my boss an email regarding the incident and didn't think anything else of it. We had a position in management open up three weeks ago, and she, she, along with two others, were up for the job. I interviewed two out of the three as HR didn't think it would be wise for me to interview her, and I agreed. At the end of the week, my boss and I got together to see where we stood on the decision, and he asked why I couldn't set, sit in on her interview. I reminded them of the last incident, and that was that. 
We ended up going with, with one of the other employees and my boss remarked to me that her failure in her home certainly didn't help. I guess I should feel bad about that, but honestly, I don't. The woman approached me after work while I was going to my car and asked if her daughter's past action was an issue and the deciding factor, and I told her she should speak to our manager in HR if she felt it was a biased interview, but gave her a little grin afterwards. Am I the jerk? Now, what do you think? Do we want to do this at the same time? Well, I'll go first, because I think you okay. you want first. I think, uh, I, I think he's he's kind of a jerk. He's a jerk with a little grin, you know. He's not a jerk with um, the person not getting the job because it, that was up to the, the, the manager, not, not him, right? But I, I think that it was a jerk move to, like, do the little grin afterwards. All right. I guess going back to my previous point about not labeling people on, this was definitely partially a jerk move. Um, I, I don't know if he's... Like especially in the how we define the the super jerk earlier, yeah. Um, because he doesn't seem like he's going out of his way to specifically cause harm and um, destruction, but he definitely allowed it to happen in a way that was not beneficial for. So there's a thoughtlessness, her. right? Yeah. So uh, I, don't know, I, I gave my ideas first. How about you go this time? Um, I think some of the framing in it. You know, it, it's it's written in a very neutral way, but then you got to wonder why why you sent a um, email to human resources and their and his boss. Um, just it, it, he doesn't say, well, I did it because I was gone from company property during during work time, and so I had to justify it in some way. He just says, I I, I told them about it, you know. Um, and that seems, it's not quite a red flag. It's mm-hmm. sort of like a pink flag gets raised at that point for me. Yeah. Um, what, what did you make of that? Of the email specifically? Yeah. Um, I, literally, I had glossed over that a little bit, and I didn't actually see it. Um, but now that you bring it up, it was like, why, why are you doing that? What is the motivation? What, what were you trying to, like, besides, like, hey, I was away from work, but, you know, shouldn't you have told your boss unless you don't trust your boss and yeah i guess you could be you know doing a little bit of cya there you know we we often do emails when we want to make sure that things are being recorded Mm -hmm. you know but you could say like i had to go and you know drop off clothes for my sister and leave it at that without saying she was bullied by so-and-so yeah right yeah like that, that tells you why you were gone. Everything else is superfluous <laughs> to that particular situation in regards to your job. Yeah. Now this one is an interesting one because he is asking, you know, am I the jerk? Um, and and it was titled uh, for not giving a bully's mom a promotion as if he somehow had charge of that. When when clearly it's not his call. It's the it's his boss's call. Um, so he's, that's not jerkish behavior that, but it is bad practical reasoning, taking responsibility for things that aren't really within your agency. Right. Mm-hmm. So did, did that raise any red flags for you or, um, like the way that he regarded, um, 
his coworkers uh control over their child no i it's it's although that's interesting too yeah i mean mm-hmm. blaming the the parent for the child is that can be problematic at times. I'm, I'm talking more about like him acting as if he is like responsible for her not getting the promotion, and then on, on the other hand, not being responsible for it. You know? Yeah. Like he's trying to have it both ways. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely taking a little bit of pleasure in it. There's definitely like some Schadenfreude here. Um, but I think it's really kind of like this misplaced you know, retribution or revenge that is really directed at the child of this person. Okay. And, and not at the person itself. Yeah. And then, and the only way that he can do anything about it is by interfering with her yeah. job hiring thing. So I guess at, at first saying that, like, I want to recuse myself from having the interview with this person because I know that I have a bias. That was a good decision, but to, um, to go out and and make a to tell the story about what had happened with this yeah. uh, employee's child um, is like slander the person in the middle of the interview yeah. in my I, opinion especially because that has almost nothing to do with the ability of that person to actually do that job if you're trying to base the giving that uh job to someone based on their merits of their ability then this is kind of outside of that yeah it's like a little poison pill right right yeah i I think i'm with you on that um any other ideas uh, about this i mean what did you make of the 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 grin thing yeah he's definitely taking pleasure in it okay Uh, and so uh, you know i kind of feel like taking pleasure at the this misfortune of others is probably not the best you know moral decision there yeah well, that's uh, yeah I don't I think, know if that's, is that even a decision on his part um it might not be a decision it might just be a let's call it a reaction but it's mm-hmm. still it's still indicative of character right right like um, that you you have at some point defined that this is good yeah, uh, right, right. You know, either consciously or subconsciously, um, and you are acting on I, that you know, at the moment. I, I, the way it reads, though, um, it, it seems like the grin is not just like, oh, I was grinning to myself as I was walking away. He says, I gave her a little grin, you know? Right. So oh. it's it's like kind of drive it home to her. It's communicative. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's rubbing salt in the wound a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Let's 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 take one more. I think we, I don't know that we're going to have that much time. Should we do the fact checking one, or should we do um, the toy burglar one? What, what uh, what's what's your preference? Uh, the toy burglar one's shorter, so let's do that one. Okay, I think it's a very funny one too. <laughs> it is. Okay, so uh, am I the jerk for making my daughter think that a toy burglar will steal some of my daughter's toys if she is misbehaving? That's how it's titled. Um, Ever since my daughter was five, she's now eight, I'd tell her that a man called the Toy Burglar will take her toys away and give them to a child who is well-behaved if she acts up. I even had my current boyfriend dress up as the Toy Burglar and speak to her while she was misbehaving. 
He dressed up in a ski mask with black and white top and some red pants with a red scarf. After meeting him, she started to believe me even more, and now when I bring up the toy burglar, she will stop misbehaving and say sorry for whatever she did. My mom thinks it's cruel to make up a false character for my daughter to be scared of and thinks I should stop. But I think it's no different than Santa. Like, if my daughter is well-behaved, I'll have the toy burglar randomly send her a gift. Am I the jerk for doing this? Okay, so let's let's think about whether we want to say she is or whether she isn't or whether anybody else is. Um did, did, did I go first? La- you, yeah, yeah, you go uh, first so, this time. Uh, I guess I'm feeling muddled about this. I, I feel like there, there's aspects of this that I don't like, and there's aspects of this that I'm, I'm kind of okay with. So I think she actually is a jerk. Yeah. Um, and I wonder with myself about you know i i do find this very funny um but clearly the daughter is um having some anguish because of this and i wonder if i'm not a jerk for enjoying this one so much (laughs) (laughs) the prospects of thinking about it um i don't know that's 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 a good question um i don't think that the mother's being a jerk um we could ask about the boyfriend. Is he a jerk for participating in this? What do you think? He is. Yeah. Like to, to not only like make up a story, but to actually then perpetrate a, a, you know, deliberate falsehood of like creating a character. The role. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's very specific too. You know, a yeah. ski mask, black and white top and red pants with a red scarf. It's like what, um, uh, where's Waldo meets Carmen San Diego, or like the or the uh, Hamburglar. The Hamburglar, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, so I guess the the key question we have to ask here is, you know, there's already like a mythology that our kids participate in. We were talking about Santa Claus earlier, and and I suppose we could talk about the Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, all, all the things that, you know, um, they put into cartoons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling you how when I was a kid, there were the leprechauns who had come to our house, you know, on St. Patrick's Day and bring green candy and turn like turn the toilet water green and the milk green and all that. And of course, uh, I got a little green footprints in my house. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I've, I haven't met too many people whose houses the leprechauns came to, you know. Um, and, and there's other things we, you know, maybe we could come up with like uncle Sam for the 4th of July or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're bad, uncle Sam takes you out back and spanks you or something like that. Straps you Um, to a rocket. (laughs) There you go. You know, I think McDonald's actually, you know, mentioning the Hamburglar kind of tried to do something like that back when they used to have characters like Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar who'd run around stealing things. And there was Grimace and there are a few other ones I don't really remember too well. Um, is it is it wrong to introduce like new characters deliberately to produce compliance on the part of children? Because <laughs> that's what this is one about, of the things right? I was really interested about because I was thinking about this in the way of like developmental psychology. Okay. And how like... I'm definitely not an expert in this, but I do know that there are, there are certain times and levels of um, when people define things or why things are bad. 
Yeah. And and early on, it, it's very much like a, um, a consequentialist. Like, you know, uh, right, I get right. hurt. I don't like that. It tastes good. I get to eat that. That's good. You yeah. know, it's very kind of like base passions type thing. Um, and it, it seems like this, this character kind of is latching into this like really early developmental thing. Um, but then the, the thing that I don't like about it, at least to a certain extent, is that you are creating this this fiction that is not based in reality whatsoever. And you know, another, when, when do you need to stop uh, propagating that that fiction? Another thing about that, too, is if this kid goes to school and talks to the other kids about, you know, it's one thing to say, like, I'm, I'm being good because I, I don't want to get on Santa's naughty list. And the other kids mm-hmm. who believe in Santa are like, oh, yeah, me either, you know. But if you go to school and you're like, um, the toy burglar is going to take away <laughs> my toys, you might actually get, you know, picked on by, by the other kids. Maybe they're, the mom's kind of setting their, their kid up for that. Right. We, we uh. wanted to talk about a practice, and this is one I think that we may have mentioned in earlier shows, but I think a lot of this really drives it home. It's this uh, thing that comes from you know, a lot of people, but Epictetus in particular, the great Stoic philosopher, he says that um, you know, like something bad happens to you, think about what it would be like if it happened to somebody else when you have the same attitude towards mm-hmm. it. So your cup gets broken, it's the end of the world, but you know, your buddy's cup gets broken, you're like, oh, you can get another cup. No. Um, well, let, let's like make a little bit more. It yeah. is your favorite cup. It is the cup that your grandma gave you, which is both like uh, sentimental and also is like just a really great cup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So how can we how can we apply that, and what does it have to do with these? Am I the the jerk things? I, I think that. You know, we're invited to kind of look at things from other people's perspectives and then pass judgment on them. But we can think about our own behavior and the, the things that set us off and mm-hmm. um, think about whether whether they should. Right. Right. It, it's that, that distancing from the thing. Like we, we become attached to things uh, a lot and easily so. And and especially our thoughts. We become attached to our thoughts and our our, our mm. own you know to way of reasoning. Yeah, to judgments. Okay. And and sometimes these are some of the most uh, hard rooted in us, and it takes a lot to jolt us out of that you know that thought pattern. Yeah. Well, we're almost at the end of the hour, so we have some final thoughts for you. You want to lead us out? Yeah. Robert Sutton leads us with these words. Um, who has literally written the book on the topic uh, on these jerks, these super jerks. Bottom line, super jerks need someone in their life to tell them they're being a super jerk. 